Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Sandy, what happened? Let's discuss. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, April 11th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of Monday's action. Sandy Alcantara got clobbered. Max Muncy did some clobbering. Another day, another injury. Before we get going, make sure to like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating. It really helps, and we really do appreciate it. Let's jump right in, and oh my goodness gracious, players of the night. Holy cow! How about that? So, true story, Scott told me that there was no one that made him say, oh my goodness gracious, before uh, the show today. But someone did make him say, holy cow. Who is that, Scott? No, nobody made me say, holy cow. Nobody. Everybody bored me today. I'm just, (laughs) it's not so much that they bored me. They, They mostly just disgusted me. And I'm angry. I'm angry at the state of pitching still and just the total lack of consistency from everybody. Oh, I just thought of a better candidate. I just, I just thought of a guy who made me say, oh, my goodness gracious. Can I change it? Go ahead. Change it up. Let's go. All right. So it was Andrew Heaney. Okay. Um, you mentioned Sandy Alcantara already. You know, he goes from throwing the, the, lead, the season's only shutout so far to... Uh, nine earned runs in four innings against the <laughs> Phillies. So his, his ERA is over five. So even though he has that shutout, the only shutout in baseball, he's been a net negative in fantasy, certainly in any kind of categories league. So that's just infuriating. And then infuriating on the other end of the spectrum is Andrew Heaney, who got crushed in his first start of the season. And of course he doesn't have the oversight of the Dodgers coaching staff and all the benefits that come with that. So it was already, we're already a little like apprehensive about him being somewhere else, about him being in Texas this year. How would it go? Seven earned runs in two and two thirds innings in his first start. I did have Andrew Heaney as one of my 10 sleeper pitchers for this week with two starts. The first, you know, here uh, Monday against the, the Royals. And I did, Cautiously recommend him, I think, on the, the 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 streamer segment. But it wasn't with a lot of confidence. It wasn't something in the one league where I had him, uh, where I was willing to use Andrew Heaney myself. What does he do? He strikes out the first. Well, he doesn't strike out the first ten batters he faces. The first ten, he, he strikes out ten. The first ten outs he records in the game are all strikeouts. Against the Royals, who've had a really difficult time offensively here to begin the year. Uh, But I don't want to reduce it just to that because they're still a major league caliber lineup with a couple hitters in 
in the lineup who we like quite a bit. And Heaney was dominant against them. So part of what he did is, if I can find my notes here. Okay, so he had 19 whiffs on 93 pitches. He had 10 whiffs on the fastball alone. Was it was actually down a little bit in velocity from last year, but it didn't matter. He was getting them to swing under it. Uh, the slider velo, which was down in his first start, was back up. And, of course, the slider was the pitch that made him last year with the Dodgers. So that was nice to see. It was back. The, the velocity was back to where it was last year. And, yeah, he was just really effective. Does that mean I'm all the way back in on Andrew Heaney? Well, Sandy Alcantara just showed us the thing. The pendulum <laughs> can swing back the other way just as aggressively. And Heaney's next start is against the Astros. It's, again, against a team that we think of as being good offensively. Uh, let me confirm. It yep. is against the Astros. Yep, it's at the Astros this weekend. At the Astros. So, you know, if you're if you're doing the daily lineup thing, I, I think I'd still be pretty, pretty hesitant to use him. But if he got discarded in your league after that terrible first start, understandable though it was, I mean, he probably deserved picking up again. Yeah, I don't know. The, the start was kind of weird for me, Scott. Obviously, don't want to take anything away because 10 strikeouts and 19 swinging strikes is super impressive for Andrew Heaney, but just didn't really make sense to me. I mean, going that fastball heavy, 62% usage in this start and the velocity being down on that pitch compared to last year, as you mentioned, it just didn't really make sense to me, add up like how this was all happening for Andrew Heaney. But as you mentioned, I think if you play in a uh, weekly lineup league, he's already locked into your lineup. So obviously you got this great first start. We'll see what he does against the Astros. But regardless of what he does, I think that he's a hold because early projections for next week have Andrew Heaney going up against the Oakland A's. So we're pretty much uh, streaming you know, any you know, decent to good pitcher against the Oakland A's. So uh, I want to hold Andrew Heaney and you know, see what he does against the Astros and obviously start him next week. He is 67% rostered as of now, Scott, and uh, just comparing him to some of the most added pitchers in case someone wants to go out and add him. Uh, Bryce Elder, Anthony Desclafani, Ken Tamaeda were the three most added starting pitchers this weekend. Would you take Heaney over any of those? I would take Heaney over... Uh, you said Maeda, Desclafani, and the third was... Bryce Elder. I think I'd take Heaney over all of them after the way Maeda's second start went. Not that it was terrible, but of course, Maeda, uh, uh, of course, Heaney was the most highly regarded of the three coming in. And um, now he at least has one start that suggests he still deserves to be. So I, it's close. It's close between him and Maeda, I would say. But I, w- I would think Heaney's the most valuable of the three right now. Interesting, because maybe I'm just an Andrew Heaney hater, but I was going to say I wouldn't take him over any of those starting pitchers right now. But uh, I, th- well, I was just a little bit lower coming in on on Heaney. But yeah, I, I mean, did he was the one you ranked the highest of the four coming in, right? He, oh, definitely. I might have been close with Maeda because I did like him. I did like Maeda throughout spring training, and then obviously he didn't pitch very well in spring training. But um, yeah, yeah. Dave Scalfani, I mean, I, I feel like our opinions have changed about him, you know, for good reason. Obviously, he's looked like the pitcher he was two years ago. And Bryce Elder, look, he was really good in the start here on Monday. We'll get to him in just a little bit. If he has an opportunity to stay in the Braves rotation, that's a great team context, great run support, 
And, you know, if if he can even be decent with them, then I feel like there's a good amount of upside with Bryce Elder. Uh, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Oh, my goodness gracious, for me, I was going to mention... Sandy Alcantara, I, look, I don't think there's anything really actionable here. He was destroyed by the Phillies. Uh, nine earned runs, 10 hits, over four innings pitched for Sandy in this one. Just five swinging strikes on 77 pitches. It's not like he gave up a ton of hard contact. I mean, 89 mile per hour average exit velocity against. It's not good, but it's not egregious either. You know, 529 BABIP, so it seems like hits were just kind of falling in in this one. The thing that does worry me, Scott, is we're now three starts in. Only 11 strikeouts over 18 and two-thirds innings for Sandy Alcantara, and I think that will get better. Uh, I, you know, the swinging strike rate still suggests that he's he deserves a better strikeout rate than what he has so far, but mm-hmm. that's ca- part of why I was worried about him. Of the aces coming into the season, where I was kind of fading him in that second-round range is because, you know, with the new rules and... He is an ace that pitches more to contact than, than these other guys were taking in the second and third round, and... Look, it's it's already kind of you know rearing its ugly head with with not getting the strikeouts. So uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything that you could do with this, but the strikeout rate is a tad worrisome. Just like a tad. it's, I'm less concerned about Alcantara specifically than just the state of pitching in general. Because like like I was saying, like can we get a little consistency here from anybody? Who among the aces has just been aces? You know, Garrett Cole. Okay. Yep. Um. Uh, anyone else? I'm pulling up anyone the pitcher else? rankings to see if anyone else. Uh... <laughs> it's been pretty sad and pretty sorry, and it hasn't been much better in the lower ranks either. You've got the two Rays pitchers who I think entered the day one and two in points leagues: Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen. Uh, McClanahan's been pretty good so far. Julio Rios. Julio, Julio Rios. Yeah. Okay. He's so three. we got we he's, got three. He's three for three in quality starts. Of like the top 25. Um, Otani's been good so far. Yeah. Okay. There's another. It's been bad though. It's yeah. been upsetting and distressing. And like if you're if like if you're in a roto league and you're uh, high in ERA whip, like you you got to feel like you pulled off a straight flush right now because everybody else is just getting creamed. <laughs> I was talking to you about my main event team before we went live here, Scott, and uh, you know me. April 11th here, already kind of uh, doing victory laps. I'm in first place. I mean, it doesn't mean anything, obviously, at this point in the season. You have Rasmussen. Yeah, but the pitchers, that, <laughs> the, the four starters that are carrying me right now, Framber Valdez, Jesus yeah. Lozardo, Rasmussen, and Kodai Sengo. All four of those guys have been great. Will they continue to be great? I don't know. I'm probably not, you know, definitely not this great. And will they stay healthy? I mean, yeah, I think there's questions with all those guys. So even Valdez walked five today, which is yeah, just like not great. I mean, he had a combined one in his previous two walks, so you don't care that much. But it's still just like uh, it's not a normal thing to see a pitcher walk five guys. Yeah, that is certainly true. Uh, unless your name is Edward Cabrera, of course. Um, anything actionable on Sandy Scott before we move on? No, I just like you. You pitched your wagon to him, and there's. Like, I, I, I don't have a ton of confidence in it. Like, I, I can't say, oh, well, if you trade for this pitcher, you'll clearly be in a better situation, given given what we just discussed. So I think you just have to let it play out. On the other end of the spectrum, someone who bounced back in a huge way, one of the aces that we were drafting as a top 25-ish starting pitcher, Zach Gallen, huge performance against the Brewers. Seven shutout with 11 strikeouts in that game, 17 swinging strikes with 10 of those coming on the curveball. 
That curveball was amazing. He used it 42% of the time, leaned all the way into the pitch, and for good reason. It had a 53% whiff rate and a 43% CSW. That is called strikes plus whiffs. I think league average is around 30%, so it's 43% on that pitch in this one. Uh, Scott, any, anything you'd like to add on Zach Gallen? I mean, when the curveball looks this good, this is the type of outcome we can get from him. Yeah, and it's interesting that he threw it so much, 42% of the time. Normally, it's 20 to 25% of the time for Zach Gallen. I, I do wonder if this is something he can get away with regularly because the fastball hasn't seemed right for him. And even for as successful as the start was, 92.2 was the average exit velocity against Zach Gallen, which is awfully high. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk down a start like one of the few great starts we've seen from a pitcher who's supposed to be good this year but uh it it does it, it is perplexing because it isn't it it wasn't like this the most conventional the most conventional zach gallant start we've ever seen let's highlight a hitter here max muncie he went three for three with a double dong seven rbi and entering this game on Monday, he was hitting the ball hard. He was putting the ball in the air. He had a 17.6% barrel rate. And again, that's before hitting two home runs. The problem, 16 strikeouts earlier, early on. So I think that's why the batting average has been a little bit low. Uh, but again, I don't know that there's anything actionable, but it, it's awesome, obviously, to see a, a game like this from Max Muncy early on. Well, I, I think there may be something actionable here. Um, I don't know if today's the time to do it just because he, you know, he just hit the two home runs. But even coming into this game, Max Muncy's average exit velocity was 92.5 miles per hour, and it was 92.3 over the final two months last year when it seemed like he got his season turned around. And, and he did make some adjustments even beyond that to um, shorten his stroke. He's, he's, he felt like he was kind of having to cheat uh, with his swing. Not not cheat like in a Houston Astros sort of way, but you know, cheat in like the, the way baseball players normally mean it when they say it. Like uh, commit earlier to something than you normally would. And uh, it, you know, his, his average exit velocity this season has been fine. It's been it's been what it was during the final two months when Muncie was so good, when Muncie looked like typical Muncie again. And that was after a spring when he hit three home runs, he hit four doubles, he looked very much like the Max Muncie. We remember prior to that gruesome elbow injury in 2021. And so, you know, he entered this game batting 121 on the year. Even with the big performance, he's still batting under 200 for the year. I, I think Max Muncy's going to be great. I think he's going to hit 250, 260 with 30-plus homers and a very good lineup with eligibility at third base and second base. So, again, maybe, maybe not right this very moment, when he just had the big game. But, you know, if he goes 0 for 4 tomorrow, if, if he gets that batting average back down around 150, I think he's a good buy low target. I have a lot of confidence in Max Muncy this year. All right, let's move over to a another pitcher's duel, Scott, out in Atlanta. Two, at least one of your favorites, maybe two of your favorites early on. Graham Ashcraft, now two for two in quality starts. He was at the Braves, six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts with 11 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. And if you look a little bit deeper, I don't know that he even had his best stuff either because just a 23% CSW overall, nearly 92 mile per hour average exit velocity against, that's not great for Ashcraft, 
but the slider velocity remains up. It was up four miles per hour compared to last year. Um, and yeah, just another start where Graham Ashcraft looked pretty good. And then on the other side, Scott, Bryce Elder, a strong outing, six and a third shutout, seven strikeouts to one walk, 14 swinging strikes on 103 pitches, seven on the slider. And so far through two starts, Elder is emphasizing that slider. It's been his most used pitch in each of his first two starts. And I think that could be a recipe for success for Bryce Elder. So he's up to 72% rostered, still might be out there in some shallower leagues. Any thoughts here from Ashcraft and Elder on Monday night? Yeah, I, I think Elder um, made it clear that he deserves to be the fifth starter over Dylan Dodd, who I presume is going to be sent down when Kyle Wright is activated tomorrow. And uh, Jared Schuster has already been sent down. And, and frankly, he probably should have entered in the fa- as the favorite looking back. You know, there was a lot of hype for Mike Soroka, Coming back from the long layoff to injury, Ian Anderson, okay, could he regain his form? Obviously, we've been excited about what he could do in the past. But Bryce Elder, down the stretch last year's final five starts for the big club, at a 165 ERA, .92 whip, and a little more than a strikeout per inning. I don't think of him as much of a bat misser, but, you know, he had the 14 swinging strikes in this one. Um seven strikeouts in six and a third innings. It was against a Reds lineup that's pretty suspect away from Cincinnati, I would say. And his next matchup is against the Royals in in Kansas City, I believe. So that's very favorable, even more favorable than this matchup. I still have questions about Elder's upside. Is he going to be more like a high-end streamer type because he pitches for a good team? But he seems to have a knack for keeping runs off the board, even if he isn't going to be a big source of strikeouts. And he may be enough of a source of strikeouts that it that it doesn't matter. Like maybe Bryce Elder, I, I talked in the preseason, okay, we had the, the Mount Rushmore of uh, pitchers who didn't have like outstanding ratios but delivered a great result in fantasy last year, Merrill Kelly, Miles Michaelis, Martin Perez, and Tyler Anderson. And that, okay, even if it's not those guys who do it again, it's going to be somebody coming off the waiver wire who does that. And maybe Bryce Elder could be this year's version of that if he sticks in the Braves rotation. But does he have huge upside? I'm still skeptical of that. Would you rather have Elder or Chris Bubich, who you were talking up yesterday? Bubich, I like the upside more. Okay, anything you'd like to add on Ashcraft? Uh, I mean, Ashcraft considering he was the the pitcher who I was targeting for the first in the first run of waivers at the start of the year he was like my prime target I was zeroing in on him at the end of spring training I do have a lot of ashcraft actually more ashcraft than than Bubich I kind of priced myself out of Bubich in a lot of those leagues the way I talked him up yesterday I ended up with him only two but I got a lot of ashcraft ashcraft might be the only thing keeping some of those pitching staffs afloat right now he hasn't had like an outstanding start yet. And so I'm still a little hesitant to say, you know, to, to, to take a victory lap over this one. Uh, but he's been good enough in these first couple starts. Um, you know, this, this matchup against the Braves is obviously not the easiest and he's still delivered a, a nice result. So I'm, I'm encouraged overall. The slider does seem to be an effective pitch for him and one that he didn't really have last year. 
All right, let's talk about a few other waiver wire pitchers. We mentioned Andrew Heaney earlier on. A couple of pitchers that looked pretty good here on Monday night. Kyle Gibson had a solid outing against the Oakland A's. Six and a third, one run, four strikeouts. I think we just kind of know who Kyle Gibson is. And I would say, like I mentioned with Heaney earlier, don't drop Kyle Gibson after this week because he goes up against the Tigers next week. So another strong matchup if you do need uh, another streamer next week. Nick Pavetta, a solid outing at the Tampa Bay Rays. Five shutout with six strikeouts in that one. 14 swinging strikes on 83 pitches. That's definitely going to catch my eye. Uh, Only 39% roster. Drew Smiley had a bounce back performance against the Mariners. Five innings, one run, seven strikeouts to just one walk. And Matt Strom put together another solid start. Up against the Marlins, five shutout with six strikeouts in that game. The issue for him is that he has not thrown more than 61 pitches in each of his first two starts. But if you play in a deeper points league, uh, Matt Strom is relief pitcher eligible, so he's a spark. And he's only 10% rostered. He's at Cincinnati this weekend as part of the two-star week. And then it looks like uh, against Colorado in uh, Philly. So, you know, get the Rockies on the road next week. Scott. Uh, any interest in those names? Kyle Gibson, Nick Pavetta, Drew Smiley, Matt Strom. It feels like we kind of know who we're talking about there. Yeah, it does. I would not really put them on the same level as like a Chris Bubich or even. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put them on the same level as like a Bubich or who were we talking? Who were we talking about earlier? I'm so sorry. Bryce Elder. Bryce Elder, that was the name. And Andrew Heaney. Well, thank you. While we're at it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not on the same level as him either. Uh, there are some interesting signs here. Like, we, we've known for a few years Smiley has a good curveball, and when he's able to feature it prominently, it's usually a good result. He threw a 47% of the time in this one. Uh, on, on the subject of Gibson, you mentioned we um, know who he is right now. We, we know who he is. He has a long enough track record that, okay, like we're taking advantage of some favorable matchups here early, but it's probably not a long-term play. And that's true. Probably not. I will just point out that it does seem like he's changed the shape of his slider. He's made it more of the sweeping slider, at least according to the way StatCast classifies it. Because StatCast introduced sweeper as a new classification independent from slider this year. And it went back and changed. It went back in, in time and changed uh, all the past sliders that now fell under this new sweeper designation. It changed them to sweepers. Last year it has Gibson throwing a slider. This year it has a throwing sleeper. It's the same velocity, so maybe it is the same pitch. But um, it has been an effective pitch for him early on. Uh, yes, that is. Uh, Correct. Kyle Gibson uh, throwing a sweeper this year. I thought I saw it under his uh, usage, his pitch usage last season, but he actually only threw it 2% of the time. So, uh, yes, Mm -hmm. he is throwing it much more this year. That is Kyle Gibson. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Rowanzi Contreras, Scott. He got destroyed by the Astros, and I know he his final line in his first start was okay, but the underlying numbers were not good in that one. Are you okay dropping Contreras? He's 49% rostered. Yeah, his velocity's been down this whole time. And there, there, there just hasn't really been any reason for encouragement with him. Too many, too many other players to pursue. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Kenta Maeda earlier, who was not as sharp as his uh, first outing. Obviously, six innings, four runs, only three strikeouts, only five swinging strikes. Did give up some hard contact and... 
Uh, his fastball velocity was down in the second start compared to his first. And uh, just seemed like he didn't have the splitter. The the numbers on it did not look good in this one. And he just basically got destroyed by a uh, a hanging slider that he gave up to Hanser Alberto, a three-run home run. It's just like, of all the people in the White Sox lineup. Uh, but Maeda is currently 76% rostered. Uh, would you hold or, I don't know, would you be... Persuade, can you be persuaded to drop him for like Elder or Chris Bubich or even Anthony DeScofani, who is more available than he is? No, I'd hold over those, even even Bubich. I, I did say I'd take Heaney over Maeda, but that's a close call. Uh, I, yeah, so, I, I mean, obviously he didn't... By the standards of 2023, this wasn't a that bad of a start for Maeda. He gave up eight base runners in six innings, four earned runs in six innings. Not a good start, but not not the disaster at the level we've seen for so many pitchers early on. So uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is that his first outing was against the Marlins, who have been the most strikeout-prone team by far this year, uh, the lowest-scoring team also in baseball. And... You know, you could you could look at that two ways. There haven't been that many games yet, so when they go up against Kenta Maeda, and he is as effective against them as he was, striking out nine and five innings. Well, maybe the reason they're so far ahead in strikeouts is because they've they've they had to face pitchers like Maeda. But then you know he goes from having seventeen whiffs on seventy nine pitches in that start to having, um, in this start just the the five whiffs on eighty three pitches. So, how much of that was just he faced the Marlins offense the first time? Probably some. But as you said, it, it seemed like, you know, he, he, he didn't throw a slider nearly as much in this start. He didn't seem to have the same bite on a splitter. Like, it, his pitches just didn't seem to be as effective either. So, I, I think it's a combination of that first matchup against the Marlins was really easy, and his stuff just wasn't as sharp this time. So, let's, let's see more from Kinta Maeda. Not ready to pull the plug yet. All right, let's take our first break here. And when we get back, we'll talk about Adam Duvall and his injury on Fantasy Baseball Today. CBS Sports Golazo Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage is now streaming on the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Plus, don't miss the rest of our top-notch programming, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more. CBS Sports Golazo Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game. Let's get into the injury to Adam Duvall here, Scott. Why can't we just have nice things, huh? You know, nice little start to the season. People probably picked him up for the after the long week last week. They put him in their lineup, and then boom, injured. And uh, now has a fracture in his left wrist and will not require surgery. But we, I have not seen a, a, a timeline for Adam Duvall, but obviously going to be out for some time here. He was betting 445 with four home runs and a 1030 OPS early on. How do we replace Adam Duvall? Uh, most added outfielders on CBS this weekend, Brian Anderson, Miles Straw, Trevor Larnick, and James Outman, who had another good game on Monday night. He went one for three with a walk, a triple, and his second stolen base. Uh, but man, 
a lot of those names are are already up there. Scott Altman up to 86% mm-hmm. rostered. Brian Anderson up to 82% rostered. I knew you had him as a sleeper hitter. You know, Straw and Larnick are the ones that are much more widely available if you need one of those. Here's the thing you have to keep in mind with Duvall is how much confidence could you have in him in the first place? Because he's Adam Duvall. He's in his mid-30s. His track record is what it is. He was off to a nice start and what seemed like a favorable venue for him. But was he going to be must-start all season long? The odds were against it, I would say. And outfield is a position where, you know, particularly in, in five outfielder leagues where uh, the, the quality on waivers is going to be less, you, you probably have the position backed up already. You're, you're probably just going to slot someone from your bench in your lineup. I have mean, seen some encouraging signs from Larnick. You know, it's, it's obviously not a high probability play. That's why he's out there. That's why he's still available even in some of those five outfielder leagues. Hopefully, Duvall comes back and picks up where he left off. Left off Again, given his track record, I don't think that's a certainty. I do think it's going to be a relatively short-term absence since he doesn't need surgery. Most broken bones heal within four to six weeks. Six weeks, I would guess, is what we're looking at uh, for, for, for Duvall being out. Maybe as much as eight. But uh, it, it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be months and months. It shouldn't be you're not seeing him again until the second half. So if you can stash him away, particularly in a five outfielder league, it's probably worth it. Okay. A couple outfielders who did something on Monday who maybe you could pick up to replace Adam Duvall early on. Jared Kelnick did not start with a lefty on the mound, but he hit a majestic game-tying home run off Michael Fulmer in the ninth inning. And uh, he's batting 300 early on, but that comes with a 31% strikeout rate. Is hitting the ball very hard for what it's worth. Austin Hayes, speaking of hitting the ball hard, had four batted balls over 101 miles per hour. On Monday night, he went two for four with his second home run of the season. Scott, who do you prefer between those two, Kelnick and Austin Hayes? I think if you're pursuing upside and you don't have to get him in your lineup right away, it's probably Kelnick. But if you're talking a deep 15-team league, I can understand why you might not want to start Kelnick. It's been kind of a mixed bag so far. He has gone 7 for 17 in his past five games. Uh, As you mentioned, the exit velocity is up from last year, which is very encouraging. The strikeout rate is still pretty awful, and he's yet to start against the left-handed pitcher. So those those are two pretty big hits against him if you're talking you know, shallower 12-team context, only three-man outfielder. Hard to imagine you're going to get Kelnick in your lineup anytime soon. But there's more upside than Austin Hayes still, for sure. Outfielders in very deep league, Scott. Names that stood out on Monday. Chaz McCormick has led off three straight games for the Astros, and during that time, he has four hits, three runs scored, and four RBI. He also has a near 10% walk rate in his major league career, so that's solid. And obviously, leading off the Astros, I I think there's some interest there. He's 22% rostered. Speaking of the Astros, Mauricio Dubon went three for five with a run and an RBI. He has three straight multi-hit games. Only 2% rostered, has second outfield and shortstop eligibility. Alex Call went two for five with a run scored for the Nationals. He has let off in four straight. Oh, man. Please don't laugh at me for bringing this name up, but Victor Robles went two for three with an RBI and his second steal. He is batting 4-12 early on, and he's going to play every day. Uh, look, the odds are great against him that this is not going to work out. He's only 12% rostered, 
and he's going to play, and he has some speed. So I just thought I would bring him up. Brandon Marsh uh, hit his second home run of the season. He has just a 21% strikeout rate through eight games so far for the Phillies. And uh, Jake Cave hit his his first home run of the season. He's actually hitting the ball pretty hard early on this year. He's only 2% rostered. Any names stand out there, Scott? Chaz McCormick, Mauricio Dubon, Alex Call, Victor Robles, Brandon Marsh, and Jake Cave. Uh, I, I talked the other day about liking Alex Call and... A very deep sense. Like I, I thought about putting him on yesterday's waiver wire column, and, it, and it's just like, like I, I'm going to have to contextualize this so much. Like the certain <laughs> league you pick up Alex Call in. Like I, I just want to keep monitoring him. He walks a lot, which I like, and he hit for decent power in the minors, and that could be a good combination if uh, if he's able to make good on it. So far, so good, but it's still. It's still not enough probably to, to, to put him in the rosterable range in a 12-team league. I think the most exciting uh, for that format is, is probably Brandon Marsh because there's some power, there's some speed there. He's in a good lineup, the Phillies lineup. But there are still issues with him. He pretty much just starts against right-handers. His platoon mate is Christian Pache, so how long is that going to last? I don't know. But... It seems like they only want Marsh in the lineup against righties. His strikeout rate has been down quite a bit from last year, though. It was 35%, basically untenable last year. It's more like 25% this year. Early enough that you can't put too much stock in that, but it's an encouraging early sign for, for again, like I said, a guy with power speed in a good lineup. All right, well, let's move over to some other news and notes from Monday's action. O'Neill Cruz is expected to be sidelined four months after undergoing surgery to repair his fractured left fibula. Rodolfo Castro started at shortstop with Mark Mathias at second base, going up against a left-handed pitcher on Monday. So yesterday, I just kind of speculated, you know, maybe it's two months. We'll see him in the second half, but four months, and we're looking at August, if we're lucky, with O'Neill yeah. Cruz, which... Again, is just a huge blow for fantasy purposes. And this is, I know this doesn't apply to the majority of the audience, but this is one of those things that feels so unfair about those leagues that don't offer IL spots like NFBC. Like you already lose a top five pick of yours in O'Neill Cruz to injury. That's bad enough. Do you want to sacrifice a bench spot to hold on to him for four months? It's like it's like insult to injury because it's basically a season-ending injury in a format like that. There's no way you're going to be able to to keep from using that roster spot for four months. No, I, I, uh, and and like I don't know. That just feels that feels punishing to me, like for no good reason. Like it's it's already bad enough. You lost Cruz to injury. You know, bad luck. There, there's nothing more. There was nothing more than bad luck, but then it's compounded by this. All right, well, he's going to be out so long, you might as well just dump him because you need to free up that roster. You, you need to have that roster spot free over the next four months. Yeah, no, I agree with that, Scott. I think if you play in a league where there's no IL spots, you probably don't have a choice but but to drop O'Neill Cruz, which uh, sucks. Obviously, uh, apparently Joe Musgrove fell on his right shoulder while playing um, while playing the field in a rehab start last week and. We didn't hear about it until like just today, uh, like Monday when we we're recording this. He had to receive a cortisone shot in that shoulder and could play catch as soon as Tuesday. It's just like a bad luck situation, Scott. But now we have, you know, coming back from the fractured toe and a cortisone shot in his right shoulder. It doesn't sound too great for, for Joe Musgrove. No, 
I'd be concerned. But then again, what pitcher am I not concerned about? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Tim Anderson was removed from Monday's game with left knee soreness. He received treatment after the game and is day-to-day. Kyle Wright remains on track to return and start on Tuesday against the Reds. I know you said in weekly leagues, Scott, that you would not start uh, Kyle Wright. What about in daily lineup leagues? Are you starting starting him first start back against the Reds? No, I, I think a better safe-than-sorry approach is warranted here, considering, I mean... The few times we've seen him pitch in spring and minor league context this year, he, he hasn't looked good yet. So, you know, maybe maybe with legitimate competition, the switch will flip and he'll be fine. We've seen that with other pitchers coming out of spring training. But, uh, you know, there can't be certain that this uh, that he's truly 100% coming off the shoulder issue. Uh, Max Freed has resumed throwing off a mound without issue, but has yet to put full stress on his leg while fielding. He is rehabbing a hamstring injury. Mookie Betts made his fourth start at second base on Monday, which means he needs just one more to earn that eligibility on CBS. And it was a big game for him. He went three for five with his second home run, two RBI and three runs scored. Say Suzuki could be activated from the IL during the Cubs' upcoming road trip, which spans April 14th to April 19th. Luis Severino had a successful 22-pitch bullpen session on Monday. He was able to throw all of his pitches, so uh, some good news there trending in the right direction. Kyle Bradish will make a rehab start within the next few days. He's on the IL with a foot contusion, and I would say just check to see if he was dropped in any deeper leagues because he was dropped in... I think two of my NFBC leagues and I think Kyle Bradish has some sleeper appeal and I think he's probably going to be back in the rotation. Like they could, they could boot Tyler Wells, right? Right, Scott? They should. I would hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, Nothing against you, Tyler Wells. I just kind of like Kyle Bradish. Rysel Iglesias said on Monday that he's yet to resume throwing off a mound. He's working his way back from shoulder inflammation, though it's taking much longer than anticipated Scott, this situation's kind of weird because we got this news right before the season and they said, all right, Rice Hall Iglesias will be shut down for a week and here we are now. It's been like two weeks and nothing, mm-hmm. nothing for Iglesias. Well, he has been throwing off flat ground and he says he has no pain. So I, I think it's coming sooner than later and he shouldn't need much ramp up time as a short reliever. I think the fact AJ Minter blew a save Allowed two runs, blowing a save against the Reds here on Monday. Yeah, uh, will will hopefully encourage the Braves to to ramp things up soon with Iglesias. I, I think it'll be soon. Francisco Alvarez has started just one game in four opportunities since being called up, and obviously that's very frustrating because uh, yeah. there are a a lot of leagues where he's utility only. We need him to get these starts at catcher so that he can earn catcher eligibility and. Wow. It's not happening. Uh, or just play. I mean, because if he's not going to play enough, even when he gets the catcher eligibility, then it's it's kind of a moot point. As I said a couple times last week, four lefties are, are coming up for the Mets this week. Not here on Monday. They were facing you, Darvish, on Monday. Yeah. But if, if, if Alvarez doesn't start, whether it's a DH or catcher, if Alvarez doesn't start three of those games against the four lefties, I'd be pretty concerned and uh, wondering if he's really worth rostering at that point. Mitch Garver was placed on the IL with a mild left knee sprain. Aaron Savali also went to the IL with a left oblique strain. 
Peyton Battenfield was recalled by the Guardians, and he's been good in his minor league career. 2.99 ERA, 1.07 whip, 289 strikeouts, and 301 innings pitched. Uh, Used to get a lot of strikeouts earlier in his career, Scott, and then last year the strikeouts just went way down for Peyton Battenfield. Do you have any interest in deeper leagues if he's filling in the Guardians rotation? A general rule for mine of mine with minor league pitchers. If they're not if they're not getting a strikeout per inning in the minors, then I have no interest until they show like uh, until they pull a Bryce Elder and start having some success at the major league level. Bryce Elder last year in the minors just uh he had just 8.3 K per nine. So I guess he fit. He fell into that category for me when he got called up. I, I did. I basically ignored him, but I had plenty of shots at him thereafter once he proved that he could be successful in the majors despite that. So I'm, I'm not that interested in, in Battenfield. I have seen his name on prospect list before, but you got to prove it to me first. Peyton, with that kind of strikeout rate. Peyton Battenfield in 28 stars at AAA last year. 6.38 K per nine. I mean, it's not just like, all right, it was a tick under a strikeout per inning. Like, it was a really low strikeout rate, but it was much higher earlier in his career. So I, I just kind of wonder what changed for him. Herman Marquez was removed from Monday start with a forearm injury. Stalling Marte was out of the lineup after tweaking his neck on a collision on Sunday. Carlos Correa was scratched Monday with mid-back spasms. Yoan Mokata was out Monday due to back soreness. And Philly's top pitching prospect, Andrew Painter, played catch on Monday for the first time since March 1st. Scott, we had a bunch of aces on the mound, and we had obviously varying levels of performance here. Sandy Alcantara, we spoke about earlier. Uh, next up, he obviously was not as bad as Sandy. But he was still kind of bad. Uh, Hugh Darvish knocked around by the Mets. Six and a third, five runs allowed, five strikeouts. He had 11 swinging strikes. Not like he gave up a lot of hard contact, but his velocity has been down quite a bit in his first two starts so far. It was a little bit colder in this game in City Field. It was like in the 50s, so maybe an excuse, but I don't know. Don't love it. So the fastball has been down one, 1.5 miles per hour. The cutter has been down more like four to five miles per hour, but I think <laughs> yeah. that's just a classification issue because it's 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 the same velocity as what a slider was last year, and, and Stackhouse hasn't throwing his slider much less this year. So I wouldn't worry so much about that with Darvish. And I think we've seen velocity fluctuate one to two miles per hour for many, many pitchers here, especially the second time through. So I, I don't think that's the concern for me with Darvish. The concern is... More just, um, well, it's it's a con- it's it's a concern that's shared by basically the entire pitcher pool for me. As I've been harping on all day, is just does everybody fit into this pitching environment? Is is there as is there room for as many standouts in this pitching environment as I thought going in, and is it going to be the same pitchers? that we have historically thought of as standouts. Um, Darvish in particular, in recent years especially, it's been a lot of really high points and really low points. Last year was kind of middle of the road. His strikeout rate was you know barely one per inning, which is unusual for him. So I already had kind of like an uneasiness with Darvish and the fact that he hasn't had a good start and two chances yet only contributes to that. I'm not saying... 
need to go sell them for nickels on the dollar or anything. I'm just going to reiterate that I, I don't have, I don't have a good read on the entire state of pitching right now. And, um, Darvish fits firmly into that. He's, he's just, I, I don't know. I don't have a good feel for where his season's going to go. More likely, I mean, just by his track record, it's going to be good. It, it's more likely to be good than not. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't say that with a ton of confidence today. Aces that were just meh on Monday. Dylan Cease, five innings, three runs. One of those was earned. Six strikeouts, two hit by pitches, and two walks. So he's a little bit wild in this game and has been limited to just five innings in back-to-back starts following his great opening day performance. So, you know, it's been a combination of walks and inefficiency uh, in these last two outings for Dylan Cease. Logan Webb has allowed exactly four earned runs in all three of his starts this year. Six innings, four earned runs, six strikeouts in that game. Uh, and he allowed a lot of hard contacts. Got any thoughts on these two, Cease and Logan Webb? Not really. I, I mean, I, I, I think we're still at kind of a standstill with Cease because he walked nobody in that first start. And I pointed out there wasn't, I don't think there was a single start last year where he walked nobody. He's been walking a share of hitters since then. So I, I don't think he's turned a corner or anything with the control. Is he a great ace caliber pitcher even with shaky control? Seems pretty likely. Uh, but I, I don't see him taking like a big step forward this year or anything. Webb, he went from throwing his change up 50, uh, 35% of the time in his first start. Remember where he got 12 strikeouts to now he just threw 15% of the time in this one. And so I think for all the excitement, the kind of, kind of the same thing I said with C's for all the excitement over Logan Webb in that first start when he struck out 12, he, he looks more like typical. He's looked more like typical Logan Webb since then. Mm-hmm. I think you could create a, you know, create, a buying opportunity here for Logan Webb, 22 strikeouts to three walks. Obviously a lot of those came, a lot of those strikeouts came in that first start. His home run to fly ball ratio is 30.8% so far. It's 11% for his career. And his BABIP is 366 through three starts. That's 311 for his career. So it just seems like he's been a little bit unlucky so far, but you know, if you just kind of trust that he's more like the Logan Webb of last year, I don't know. Maybe, maybe then again, he is kind of a ground ball pitcher, right? I mean, I'm not yeah. saying he's going to have a 360 BABIP all year, but... No, he'll get better, but the question is how much better is he going to get? Right. That, that right. I, I'm not really sold on. Aces that were actually good here on Monday. Luis Castillo had a solid outing at the Cubs. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts in that one. Shane Bieber, seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts against the Yankees. Framber Valdez... He was wild, five walks, but still turned in a solid start. Seven innings, two runs, five strikeouts for him at the Pirates. And Max Scherzer, only five innings. We're not used to seeing that from him, but they were shut out. He only allowed one hit, six strikeouts to three walks. Uh, The control has been off for Scherzer so far. Seven walks over 16 in the third innings. That's a 3.86 walk per nine. Just not really what we're used to seeing from him. Uh, any thoughts here? Scott Scherzer, Valdez, Bieber, and Castillo. By the way, it was one start last year for Dylan Cease with no walks. Not not zero. So he has one both last year and this year. Uh, anyway, yeah, not a lot of takeaways from this group. We we talked about for, for every start for Luis Castillo, his velocity has been a little down, but that's typical for him this time of year. Certainly the results have been there. Bieber continues to evolve in ways that 
you know, I, I was saying like how many aces have actually lived up to our expectations so far. I, I guess Bieber would be one kind of a unlikely choice. Like you figure he with his uh, velocity falling and, and having some uh, hard contact issues, you, you feel like he would be one who would have a bad start onto his name so far, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Scherzer seems fine. No concerns there. Yeah. I mean, this group has generally done what we hoped they would do. All right. And then just one name who was very good. It's Julio Rios. He makes it three for three in quality starts. He was at the Giants. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. His slurve was up 2.1 miles per hour from his first two starts, which basically gets it to about where he was last year. So velocity was a little bit down early on, but uh, looked amazing in this start. Anything on Julio Rios? One of the few good pitchers so far. Exactly. I know there's not much more to say than that. Good, good for you, Julio. Good for you, too, because some may have been voicing concern coming into the season about the Dodgers' defense now that the shifts were going away and they'd always rated it such a, high, such a good team defensively. Um, and we wondered if, if maybe some of the XERA standouts they've had in recent years would suffer because of that. Julio Reyes, chief among them, and that hasn't happened. So good for him. All right, let's take our final break here. And when we get back, we'll get into some waiver wire, some bullpen, all that fun stuff on Fantasy Baseball Today. Welcome back. Let's talk about a few waiver wire hitters and two corner infielders. I feel like we've mentioned Garrett Cooper a lot because he's been really good. He's raking early on. He went three for four with a walk and an RBI. He's betting 368, 24% rostered. L.A. Harris Montero keeps on hitting. He went two for four with a double RBI and two runs scored. He is batting 333. But Scott, a little peek under the hood for Montero. 30% strikeout rate, not hitting the ball very hard at all. A sub-200 XBA entering Monday. Only 35% rostered, so it's not like mm-hmm. someone we're relying on. Uh, but obviously, you know, we were a little excited about Montero. Uh, any thoughts on these two, Cooper and Montero? Yeah, I've been unsure what to do about Montero. I mean, I, I'm running into an issue with basically all my leagues right now is there are more players I want to add than I want to drop. And so I I gave some thought to dropping Montero in some of those Roto Leagues, those 360-player rostered leagues, uh, because I, I do see the under-the-hood numbers and, and wonder, okay, is, is there much here for Montero? But he plays half his games at Coors Field, which is going to smooth over a lot of those issues. And the production has been fine so far. I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with him so that I can drop him. <laughs> but I haven't been willing to do that yet. I, I do prefer him to Garrett Cooper, who I don't think is going to be much of a power source, even though he's he has three home runs so far. Okay. A couple catchers who did something of note here. Yasmani Grandal went two for four with a double, a run, and an RBI. But much like Montero, the underlying numbers, not really supporting uh, what he's done here so far. He's up to 72% rostered. If you play in a two-catcher league, Mike Zanino went three for three with a triple-double. That's right. Three doubles against the Yankees. He went 20, uh, He's only 21% rostered. Had 33 home runs two years ago. So, again, you play in a two-catcher league, maybe a 12-team league. Mike Zanino could be out there. Uh, how about Grandal Scott? I mean, comparing him to someone like Logan Ohapi or even Francisco Alvarez, like... 
those are the two most added catchers right now. And, you know, if you play in a 12 or 14 team um, one catcher league, you know, this is probably the back end. So how does Grandal compare to, to some of the prospects? So I think I'd rather have Ohapi. Unlike Alvarez, he is getting very consistent playing time and making good on it for the most part. I don't think he is for sure everything he's been so far. I think, you know, there, we, we need to see more from Logan Ohapi before we can declare a final verdict. But he's look good enough that I'd take him over Yasmani Grandal. I'm reluctant to say that for Alvarez at this point because, you know, we got to see him play some. And I, I do think the upside is considerable, more than Ohapi even, for mm-hmm. Francisco Alvarez. But if he's not playing, it's irrelevant. All right, let's get to some hitting leftovers here. And Alec Bohm hit his third home run, 109.3 exit velocity on that one, 440 feet, absolutely destroyed it. And he's been hitting the ball hard uh, consistently early on, 92.6 mile per hour exit velocity. And it looks like it might be happening. Again, we're only, whatever, 12 days into the season, but... So far, so yeah. good for Alec Bohm. Uh, so far, so good for Glaber Torres. Another strong game. He went two for three with a double, a triple, a run scored, and an RBI. The plate discipline has been fantastic so far. Ten walks, only three strikeouts. He led off in this game. DJ LeMahieu was not in the lineup. They gave him a day off. So whenever LeMahieu doesn't play, it seems like Glaber Torres will be the leadoff hitter. And he's hitting the ball hard. He's barreling it up. Good plate discipline. He's stealing bases. So I don't know. He Maybe he's breaking out as well. Rebreaking out, I guess. Uh, well, I, I, I think it's <laughs> it's a little everything, everywhere, all at once. In the sense that, like, he's not this much better at everything all at the same time. <laughs> like his his strikeout and walk rates look completely inverted because normally that's not something he that's never something Glaber Torres has excelled at before, um, and and I don't think it'll last. What I do think could last is. The stolen bases. I, I mean, what is he on pace for now? Something like 80 or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't do the math that quickly. It's a pace that's unsustainable, but just obviously the rules have been changed to encourage a lot more base stealing. And we were, I, I expected we were going to see some guys who we didn't normally think of base stealers becoming base stealers. Labor Torres seems like somebody who is motivated to take advantage of that and and doing a good job of taking advantage of it. Uh, and, and that's, you know, you look at his track already at 10 steals last year, 14 steals the year before. So he was more of a base dealer already than I think he got credit for. And now, um, you know, if he's like a 25 steal guy this year, I don't think that would be the biggest surprise to go with 25 homers. That would make him a pretty good standout in fantasy, regardless of what the strikeout to walk rate is. For sure, that is Glaber Torres. Somebody who was supposed to steal bases, Anthony Volpe, 0 for 3 with another strikeout. He's down to a 129 batting average. The old adage, Scott, you can't steal first base. 12 strikeouts so far, 33% strikeout rate. And something that a listener pointed out to us before the season is that Volpe hit a lot of fly balls and infield fly balls in the minors last year. And so far, that's been the case in the majors as well. So uh, he's got to yeah, cut that I mean, down. That, that he's got to cut down the strikeout rate. It's still early, obviously. So That is his profile. That's why he's probably going to be more like a 260 hitter than a 300 hitter when he's in his prime. I, I, I think the time to give up on Anthony Volpe in fantasy is when the Yankees give up on Anthony Volpe. 
I, I think because they have to cons- they have to keep his development in mind. If if they're really worried about the way things are going, they're going to pull the plug before I decide to in fantasy. They're going to pull the plug and send him down, call up Oswald Peraza, or turn the job back over to Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Oh gosh! If it comes to that, <laughs> you don't like that idea. Do no, you? no, please, no, <laughs> gosh. But like, if if you'll wi- like, if if things are going so poorly for. Uh, for Anthony Volpe that the Yankees decide to do that, you probably will like the idea because things will have to be going really poorly for Anthony Volpe. Yeah, I mean, if, if he ends up hitting 230 even this year, I still think you're going to like the overall result because it's going to come with so many steals and enough home runs to make it worthwhile. All right, let's speed through some of the rest uh, Some of the rest of these things. Three straight home runs, uh, three straight games with a home run for Brandon Lau. The Rays have won 10 straight. Awesome for them. Amazing start. Uh, Jordan Alvarez went three for four with a double, a walk, two RBI. He has 16 RBI so far, and that leads baseball. I would say the hand looks pretty good. He looks like Jordan Alvarez. Uh, Welcome to Atlanta, Sean Murphy. Breakout game, three for five with two doubles and a walk-off two-run homer. You love to see it. Corey Seager gets on the board with two hits and his first home run of the season. Nico Horner is running wild so far. He went three for five with a walk-off RBI single. He's now up to four steals as well. Jordan Walker opens his career with a 10-game hitting streak. And the Guardians are also running wild. Four more steals today. Jose Ramirez picked up his fourth. Each of Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, and Steven Kwan each picked up their third stolen base. Let's get into the bullpen. And for the White Sox, Ronaldo Lopez recorded the final four outs, three of those via strikeout for his second save. He's 27% rostered, widely available if you need saves in the meantime while we await Liam Hendricks' return. For the D-backs, a three-run lead. Scott McGuff pitched in the eighth inning, not the ninth. It was Andrew Chafin who got the final inning of work here. He struck out the side for his second save. Only 23% rostered, Scott. Let's yeah, say I would you, say that's going up after tonight. Yeah. If you need saves and you can only choose one, would you rather have McGuff? Uh, not McGuff. Excuse me. Chafin or Ronaldo Lopez? I think Lopez, but they're both they're both under roster to 27, 23% respectively. Yep, I would agree with that. For the Cubs, Michael Fulmer was in for the save in a one-run game. He gave up that game-tying home run to Jared Kelnick. For the Mets, David Robertson pitched in the eighth inning with a five-run lead at the time. He was facing the top of the Padres lineup. Adam Adovino pitched in the ninth. Anything there, Scott, or do you think it was just, you know, Robertson facing the top of the Padres lineup is the biggest concern at the time? That is probably it. The fact it was a five-run lead is is you know add, adds a wrinkle to this that makes it even more of a head scratcher. Uh, I just dropped Ottavino in a fifteen-team roto league where saves are very scarce off the waiver wire, thinking it was becoming pretty clear that Robertson's the guy for the Yankees, and this makes me question that again. But you know, if you can only take one, it's still definitely Robertson. Well, Scott, Robertson is not the guy for the Yankees. He might be the guy for the Mets. Did I say Yankees? <laughs> yeah, you did. I think it's a, a little throwback. He used to be the guy for the Yankees. That's right. He used to be. For the Braves, you mentioned this earlier, A.J. Minter entered the ninth with a two-run lead. He gave up exactly two runs. For the Nationals, after some odd usage over the weekend, we basically got what we were expecting Monday night. Hunter Harvey in the seventh, Carl Edwards in the eighth, Kyle Finnegan in the ninth, 
he picked up his second save of the season. The regulars, Emmanuel Class A picked up his third save. Pete Fairbanks finally picked up his first save. I know there was some concern on Twitter, you know, people asking questions about Fairbanks. The Rays have just been blowing everyone out. <laughs> they haven't had save opportunities, but I think when they do, it's going to be yeah. Pete Fairbanks. He's, he's only worked the ninth so far, and he's only worked three times so far. They, yep. they haven't needed him, and they haven't needed a closer, and so that just means they haven't used... Peter Fairbanks, which is a good sign, actually. Mm -hmm. To stream or not to stream for Tuesday and Wednesday. You know what I just realized, Scott? I was supposed to write down Team Name Tuesday, and I completely whiffed. Did not get to it. I was wondering it. what happened to it. Oh, gosh. We'll do it tomorrow. It's better with Chris on anyway, because he actually understands the, the cultural references. <laughs> uh, for Tuesday, Hunter Gaddis versus the Yankees. No. <laughs> a very stern no. Kyle Muller at the Orioles. Also, no. Mitch Keller versus the Astros. Better than the previous two, but still not great. Eh, I say no. David Peterson versus the Padres. No. Chris Lexon at the Cubs. Nope. Hayden Wesneski versus the Mariners. Yeah, I'll say yes to that one. Josiah Gray at the Angels. Mm, I'd rather have Mitch Keller. Alex Wood versus the Dodgers. Nah. And then we get to Wednesday. Clark Schmidt at the Guardians. I don't think so. Tyler McGill versus the Padres. Mm, no. I don't think so either. I'll actually be there at the game. I bought tickets. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's go. I don't know. I'm just rooting for whoever's on my fantasy team. Padres and Mets. Should be fun. Edward Cabrera at the Phillies. No way, right? I don't think so. Mac Mackenzie Gore at the Angels. Don't love it. Don't hate it either. Ken Waldachuk at the Orioles. Nah. Gene Kramer versus the A's. Nah. Brad Keller at the Rangers. Nope. Eduardo Rodriguez at the Blue Jays. It's a no from me. All right. So a combined, I don't know. I think we got one yes with Wisniewski and like a very pessimistic maybe for Mitch Keller for the next two days. So <laughs> take it or leave it. That, that's yeah. what we've got. Mackenzie Gore got the, got the maybe treatment also. Yeah. If you need one from Wednesday, that's the one. Hey, I mean, I mostly agree, Scott. I, I don't think that they are great streamers in, in this sense. We're going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.